Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 23rd of February. We start with breaking news this morning and US President Joe Biden has just announced he will enforce tough new sanctions on Russia as the threat of war in Europe looms. Overnight, Russia's parliament approved a request by Russian President Vladimir Putin to use more military troops outside of Russia, a move that could allow for a broader attack on Ukraine. Here is the US President just moments ago. He's setting up a rationale to take more territory by force, in my view. And if we listen to his speech last night, he's setting up a rationale to go much further. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. The UK and Germany also imposed sanctions on Russia overnight. The UK issuing an immediate asset freeze on five Russian banks and three wealthy billionaires who are reportedly close associates of Mr Putin. The Russian president, though, is standing firm, undeterred by the sanctions and increasing tensions with Western leaders, saying Ukraine must remain neutral. We are categorically against Ukraine joining NATO because this is a threat to us. The best thing to do would be for Kiev authorities not to, to make a decision not to join NATO and become neutral. That translation, thanks to Sky News UK. Back home now on the latest on the COVID front, Queensland has followed the lead of New South Wales and Victoria, announcing an end to many mask rules. From the 4th of March, masks will no longer be required in most indoor venues and workplaces across Queensland, but will remain in high-risk settings like hospitals. In Victoria and New South Wales, restrictions will ease this Friday. The changes come as authorities are also considering a plan to scrap the seven days quarantine requirement for close COVID contacts. Epidemiologist Professor Catherine Bennett says it signifies our next stages in the pandemic. If we can learn to live with the virus, have people really carefully monitoring for symptoms, understanding how important that is, and and even doing rapid antigen tests if, if they're particularly concerned, then I think it is something that allows us to have a more measured approach, so less impact on the population, even if you do have someone unwell at home. Meantime, new modelling has revealed almost half a million West Australians are expected to get COVID over the next six months. The state's peak is expected around March. Concerns are growing for the Queen's health with Her Majesty cancelling scheduled online engagements as she continues to battle COVID. The monarch is said to be suffering mild cold-like symptoms. A palace spokesperson says Her Majesty has decided not to undertake the virtual engagements but will continue with light duties. And torrential rain has caused flash flooding across eastern New South Wales and southeast Queensland. Around 140 mils fell in four hours in parts of Sydney and on the central coast, with the New South Wales SES receiving around 600 calls for help, including a flood rescue at a childcare centre in Tempe. In Queensland, more than 250 mils fell in just three hours last night, east of Gympie. And there is more wild weather on the way today. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground to Queensland and the daylight saving debate is back on. 30 years since the state last held a referendum on the issue, two prominent mayors are campaigning for another vote. Our reporter Mel Blomley has this report 
from Brisbane. Yes, the mayors of Brisbane and the Gold Coast have expressed their support for Queenslanders to once again take a vote on whether to change the clocks each summer and to join the rest of Australia's east coast. They've pitched for a fresh referendum to go ahead in 2024 as part of the next state election. The pair raised this point. Given there's about three million people or two-thirds of the state that have never had an opportunity to have their say, is it time for a fresh perspective? But politicians in North Queensland have already voiced their opposition to the vote. The Counter Australia Party says while it works in populated areas, it's a completely different story for regional residents and has the potential to negatively impact farming and industrial operations. It looks like it's going to take a really big public push before the idea is even considered. The Palaszczuk government says it's not a priority for them right now. To northern New South Wales and the family of Theo Hayes, the Belgian backpacker who disappeared from Byron Bay almost three years ago, has spoken about their endless grief. As our reporter Rob McLeod explains, it comes as a new cash reward is being offered for any information about his last movements. Thanks, Tash. Theo's parents have made a fresh plea to anybody who can help to come forward, saying it could be one of the last opportunities to find out what happened to their 18-year-old son. The New South Wales government and police are now offering a reward of half a million dollars to encourage anyone who has information to contact them. Theo was last seen on May 31st, 2019, leaving the Cheeky Monkeys nightclub in Byron Bay. Mobile phone data suggests he headed towards Tallow Beach, but despite an extensive air and sea search that lasted several days, only his hat was ever found. The inquest is trying to establish the last movements of the 18-year-old and whether he was with someone on the night that he disappeared. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Now with this ongoing crisis in Ukraine, what is it to be the major financial impacts for our economy, the whole economy and the share market? Tash, good morning. Yeah, you've covered the story, but this is the finance angle. And of course, we know the market hates uncertainty. It also hates geopolitics and higher oil prices. That's a pretty good trifecta, unfortunately. And we've seen the US and global markets slide for the best part of the last couple of weeks with a couple of exceptional days. We have seen gains. Unfortunately, we know the market fell overnight here. It fell yesterday in Australia as well. This is going to be, unfortunately, something of the story of the next couple of weeks until things well, if and when things might stabilise and the market worked out how it's feeling, volatile for investors. And of course, it really is something that's going to impact right across the world. And interestingly, uh, there seems to be growing concerns about uh, crude oil prices with this crisis already skyrocketing. We know how expensive petrol is at the moment. It's only set to get worse. Yeah, and that, that, that's, the, that's the biggest direct impact right now. Share prices, of course, are kind of a, 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 you know, a bit of an abstract version of, of what's actually going on. The oil prices are very, very real because, of course, we know that a lot of the world's gas, particularly European gas, comes out of Russia into Western and Eastern Europe. It's already, obviously, governments have already announced sanctions on Russia. That will probably limit the flow or increase the price or both of Russian gas. And anytime we have a supply shortage or constraint, as we know, to, too many wars, but think about the Iraq wars in the past where oil supply had been constrained and geopolitical risks were heightened. We know what happens to the oil price in those sort of scenarios. And it's a massive feed into, you know, the inflation across the board. The world runs on energy. It literally is what greases the wheels of global commerce. When the oil price goes up, it has shocks right across the world. And talking about inflation, interesting warning from Seven Group boss Ryan Stokes. He says inflation is here to stay, so it's not good for petrol and cost of living. 
It's really not. So at a business level, if you can pass on those costs, you're probably okay. As consumers, you don't really get to pass on those costs because we're the ones who pay the bills. And this look, this isn't just oil, of course. Ryan Stokes wasn't specifically talking about oil. It's part of the cost mix, a massive part of the household budget. But he's talking right across the board. His view is broadly that while we talk about supply chain constraints when it comes to the kind of, you know, exit from COVID or, or finding, finding a way to live with COVID, as the cool kids say these days, uh, it's a story of, you know, he's saying increased demand as well as rest- constrained supply. And in his view, changes to interest rates around the world, uh, of course, quantitative easing, stopping, all of that stuff leads itself to a, a bit of a, as I said, both a supply constraint, but also ongoing demand growth. And that's why he's thinking even after some of those supply chain you know, problems are solved, we'll have inflation for a while yet. We should also remember, of course, those of us with a few less hairs than we used to have, remember that inflation was a thing. Uh, it's not, you know, normal isn't no inflation, normal is actually having inflation. So to some degree, it's not a really bold call to say we'll continue to have inflation. It just means we're going to have to readjust our lives. For some of us remembering, others of us learning what it's like to live in a world with inflation and act accordingly. It's the certainly the roller coaster of 2022. Thanks so much, Scott. <laughs> it really is. Thanks, Dash. <laughs> Time for sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett. Good morning. Aussie selectors are defending their decision to allow our star cricketers to skip the white ball tour of Pakistan. Yes, good morning. Tash, the likes of Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood and David Warner will instead chase the riches of the IPL and that comes with Cricket Australia's blessing. It is a long schedule. They will play in the three test series against Pakistan, our first in a long time, but then leave the squad after that. Chairman of selectors George Bailey says it gives some younger players a chance to impress. It's been a really important tournament for the development and skill development of some of our players. So the NSP will continue to be quite pragmatic um, around how we approach each series. And there's a lot of money on the table in the IPL. And Brett, South Sydney style Troy Mitchell has vowed not to change the way he plays despite a suspension that wiped him out of last year's NRL finals. And including uh, the grand final against the Panthers as well. Now, he uh, was at the NRL judiciary last night and successfully argued that his absence from the All-Stars game, he was barred from playing in that, should count toward his six-week suspension. So that means South Sydney get their star full back uh, in round two. Of course, that six-week ban was for a high shot on Joey Manu, that divided a lot of people in the NRL world but did result in the Rooster Centre suffering significant facial injuries. Mitchell went a step further on Channel 9 last night. He believes the game has gone soft. Oh, God, no, mate. We might as well play All-Star. Yeah, I feel like that. But look, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a game and we have to protect our players. You know, the split seconds you can't control and that's just how it is. That's rugby league. Yeah, not sure that uh, some people agree with that just in regards to that particular incident. Yeah, absolutely. And the future of an un vaccinated AFL player hangs in the balance. Yeah, Jack Darling at the West Coast Eagles is still yet to have just even one jab and uh, West Coast isn't sure if we will even get vaccinated. Now, the AFL's deadline was Friday, so that has already passed. West Coast will hold a board meeting today to decide what to do. They reportedly remain unsure about what his plans are. The options are to place him on the inactive list. Here's his teammate, Dom Sheed. We support him and what he wants to do, but um, it's hard to support his decision, but we support him as an individual. Now, in the AFL W last night, we had an absolute thriller, a draw between Gold Coast and the Bulldogs two nights in a row. We've had nail biters, the Bulldogs storming from 24 points down in that last quarter. Both sides, Tash, sit half a game outside the top six with three games to go. Thanks so much, Brett. Thank you, Tash. 
Queensland's America's most expensive house has hit the market for more than $400 million. But believe it or not, that's a hefty price cut. The luxury property in LA, known as The One, features 21 bedrooms, 49 bathrooms and six elevators. It also has its own nightclub, a fully functioning beauty salon and a private jogging track. It was originally expected to sell just shy of $700 million, but a couple of legal dramas will now see it sell for around $411 million, with the auction happening this weekend. Get ready. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda. In your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning, you can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.